This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So... The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. We've had a score draw and a ball draw since we last recorded and on today's show we'll ask whether or not it is time to go back to the drawing board altogether. We'll take a look at the league table, our thoughts on the tactical approach and our overall view on the season so far. I'm Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined, as always... You went there and crack off with me by Mr. Nathan Salt. How are you doing, mate? No, you need a break away from me every now and again. I'm still in the flat, still working very, very hard. Uh, wasn't enjoying the sunshine in Poland. How was it, by the way? Having never been. I don't know if anyone who's listened. I'm sure people who listened have been. But what was it like? Five out of five was, stars? Yeah, it was five star. It was very cheap, sort of three pound a pint. And oddly, having packed lots of autumnal clothes, it was a heatwave, 26 degrees every single day, can't complain too much, a bit of culture, like I said, we managed to get a crew guest on last week's podcast from, from Poland, and yeah, it was it was nice to have a breakaway, and gladly I didn't miss any uh, Wrexham action myself. You, you, Myself and you were both at Old Trafford on Saturday, though, so neither of us were able to watch the crew match in full, uh, we, we've subsequently both watched it, um, but... We weren't there live, but I was at Mansfield on Tuesday night. You were once again back at the Theatre of Nightmares. Um, yeah, how, how are you doing? Because I got a message this week when I was at Mansfield off a good friend of mine, Max, who went to school with me. And he, he said, have you and Nathan swapped jobs? Because you've been at every United game lately and I've been off I... my jollies. I don't know what's going on. I, I want my old job back as Max. I, I want to go to what you're doing. I want to go on holiday and go back to watching Wrexham, which I am soon. I've got Bradford away coming up, which I'm very excited about. 
Yeah, I watched back the Crew game and the Mansfield game full nineties, um, which is quite good if you're a nerd like me that wants to actually. What a bleak insight that is into your your bachelor lifestyle in Manchester. I can see a big box of Weetabix over your shoulder as well. So yes, yeah, there you go, Weetabix and ninety minute replays on iFollow. I live a wild and thrilling life. Um, I think that is worth saying, though, isn't it, Dave? Wrexham fans, you don't need to pay for this. You can rewatch the full matches on iFollow if you wish. I mean, for me, for me, obviously, you can get the, you get the short highlights, which are like two minutes twenty. You can get the extended highlights, which are like ten minutes. They're quite good. You get more chances that don't go in. Initial highlights are just goals and um, you know once conceded. The the full game. I just wanted to watch the full game because I'd seen all these messages about um, you know oh, I haven't played very well and you know this and that. I just wanted to look at positionally what did we actually look like, you know, because I, I'd read comments in the build-up to the crew game, the crew assistant manager was talking about how Lee Bell and his staff had identified Elliot Lee and were planning to man-mark him out of the game. And I think they effectively did that. They, they did really well to, to nullify him. Um, and, and well, before we get onto the actual nuts and bolts, it is staggering to me how slow we start these matches. You know, against crew, we had one attempt on goal in the first 45 and it took us until about that whatever when Mullins' goal went in, the 39th or 40th minute, whatever it was, to have a single shot on goal. Not even on target, just a single attempt. Um, crew really dominated us 11 v 11. And and while the referee made some horrendous mistakes that went against us, I think Crew were probably rightly aggrieved that it wasn't a push in the back from Boyle before Mullins scores the, the overhead kick. So... We'll get into Crew specifically and we'll get into Mansfield specifically, but Mansfield again last night, was it 29% possession in the first half? When you watched it, it, it felt like we barely touched the ball for, for large spells. I mean, Arthur Oconquo, brilliant display, I thought. Defensively, it's a clean sheet, but I'm la- I'm coming away from it going, we've played all these top teams and we haven't lost, we've lost twice, haven't we? We've lost to Milton Keynes on the first day, MK Dons, and we lost to Stockport really badly the other week. We've played a lot of tough teams, but we also start these matches so slowly, Rich, that I, I think there is an element that we've got to look inward as well. Because it's not it's not singing and all dance it's not all singing or dancing right now for us in this team. We've got the tools, I just think they're not being, not used, being used properly. properly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I I tend to agree with you there on that one. I mean like you said, their crew of Mansfield, very different matches. Again, we always sort of allude to it, which almost get as a soundbite. Rob McElhenney saying some draws feel like points gained, some of them feel like two points points dropped. Crew, given the circumstance, certainly felt like a point gained by the end of it. We were both celebrating in the Old Trafford press box when we saw that goal flash in. Um, Mansfield as well, you know, I was I was happy with that point and obviously not the entire performance, but elements of the performance I was very happy with, considering how shaky we've been defensively. I know Davis Kaler Dunn hit the post. There was a very good opening for him with a header that he wasted as well. But overall, I was quite content with that. And I, we both said, you know, four points in these next two games would have been adequate. Given the circumstance of crew of playing an hour of 10 men, it did in a way feel like one of those draws, it's a win. So in a way, I kind of oddly got my wish of not, not of a win and a draw, but, you know, of a very positive draw. And then another one that was positive for different reasons. But, you know, I don't want to just be a happy clapper. And I know there'll be some fans who are glass half full and some who who think that, you know, we did quite well over the last week, considering the circumstances. 
uh, yeah, I think sometimes you need to take a step back, don't you? I, I agree that fundamentally the bottom bottom line is that the performances haven't been good enough. We don't impose ourselves enough and tactically we are not robust or flexible enough for me. We, we, ju- we just have one system. There's a few slight variables typically with personnel of it predominantly st- it's predominantly who's playing at wing back influences the way that that tactic works. And you look now, you've got to take a step back. We are approaching what will be two and a half seasons of Parky. That will be coming up quite soon. And the football hasn't really changed. It's been refined in some aspects in terms of he's got personnel who fit his style of play more, but it's not changed at all during that time. And teams are figuring us out. Like you said, crew, did a job on us because they they saw that, look, Wrexham transitioned so quickly from back to front that they rely on key moments. They don't control games. We don't have the ability to do so, both tactically. I think we have got the personnel, but we'd have to change the actual formation to do it. But fundamentally, teams are working out how to play against us. And in non-league, that was broadly okay because we were by far and away the best team it meant that we got more chances and when we got the chances, we were more likely to score because we play playing weaker opposition. We've gone up the league now, we're getting fewer chances to score and they're harder to put away because the teams we're playing against are better. So I just think that tactically we're just not advanced enough really. And what worries me is that even if this season turns out to be a good one, which I do think it still will be, I'm still very positive about at least the playoffs, I still wouldn't be surprised if we went on and got automatic promotion. But for me, what does worry me is that because our approach is so direct and we have so little control in midfield, we're always breakneck speeds from back to front, back to front. It means the quicker the ball goes forward, the quicker it comes back. That's why we're getting caught out so often as well, because we have to push so many players forward so quickly to attack that they're they're, they're all out of position defensively. And that's why time and time again, we're getting cut apart on the counter-attack at ease because players are out of position and that just happens in League 2. Pressing is quite quite passive. We don't really do that. So teams have a lot of the ball against us and playing against better quality teams this season, we're getting found out more. But for me, fundamentally, what, what does worry me is that the higher up the leagues you go and the better quality opposition you play, this tactic will become more and more limited and it will have less success. And if we're already looking at a, a, a stage now where... Phil Parkinson's tactics are a little bit questionable in League 2, to say the least, then you're sticking with them to get you to League 1. But ultimately, I'd be very worried about this style of play in League 1 anyway. So you're going to have to make what I think has got to be a radical tactical change at some point in the not-too-distant future, maybe a year, year and a half. And yeah, I suppose it's whether Phil Parkinson can, can do that. Rich, I was pondering because like I say in this eligible bachelor lifestyle that means I've got a big box of Weetabix and a Betty Buzz mm-hmm. that was sent to us by the kind people at Disney and I'll be getting one of these to Rich no doubt and I, I mean people can't the listeners can't see this but we also got a nice uh, Rex the Dragon plush uh, which is very nice but very nice for people at Disney but what I was thinking about last night Rich when I got home was you know when the Armstrong deal collapsed and there were some people saying you know oh, f- f- 1st of January Go back in. You know the price. It's all agreed. You know, personal terms, all agreed. Just get it done over the line. You know what I would do if I had 500 grand to spend um, in January is I would go and get a top quality, elite, pacey centre-back. Another centre-back? 
I would. It's like I, the general would, election meme. This isn't it. Another one. I, I because I would refresh that department. I looked at it. I know Boyle was taken out of the firing line against Mansfield. I just think that sent, that back three is lacking in pace. Well, that's the thing that's killing us. It's not goals. Goals aren't killing us. Um, no, but I, it, it's it's I pace. Think, yeah. And I, I agree I get with you that. fundamentally yeah. that that I think you can have some centre backs who just read the game well, and I think Toes is an example of that. That if he's got pace outside of him, I don't mind him playing to an extent. I think he was poor in the last few games. I think that is you know fundamentally his his level performance hasn't been good enough. I'm not trying to justify that whatsoever. I agree with you that we do look like we're lacking some pace, but do you not think that a bit of that comes from a lack of just the tactical outset? Even like I said, you know the fact is our attacks are. We don't really build... I know we've had some goals and we saw more in non-league where we could sort of dictate play. But in this league, our possession stats are well below what they were. And it's because we have to go from one... We attack so quickly. We transition from defensive attack so quickly that we fundamentally don't have that control. And we push players forward at breakneck speed and then the ball comes back just as quickly as well. Because we haven't got the protection. I don't disagree with that. But let me just say that if we pivoted to a back four... What back four would you play if we pivoted to a back four for say Saturday against Crawley? What centre backs would you pick? Yeah. Well, Tozer I was going to and... try bring bring this out anyway because, because, because I think because my point yeah, what, what, basically yeah go on. What I was going to say is I know we can't do this at the moment with Barney's in uh, uh, suspension, but for me like James McLean has been a been a problem in the last few games. He just hasn't been good enough fundamentally. If if that was Liam McAlinden playing as 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 McLean did against like, Mansfield or Stockport he'd be getting pelters left, right and centre. But, you know, McLean may be a bit more protected because of who he is. Um, for me, yeah, the, the worry, what, what I think can be a solution there would be if you, like, you ha- if you had Mendy at left back and McLean on the left wing, for me, that works wonders. I think that would be brilliant because you've got someone to do the defensive work, someone to do attack work. But like you said, centre-back partnership, I, I don't think you could play Toza as part of a two. I think you'd have to go Tunnicliffe and... Hayden, or Tunnicliffe, or or Boyle and Hayden, yeah. Boyle has. But to Boyle me, that's what I'm saying. Pace. That's what Boyle I'm saying. I, I think, yeah. I think if you go, if you want to go four at the back, my solution would be you've got to go, okay, Hayden and Boyle then. But then you'd have to play Evans and O'Connor in midfield as a double axis to protect them. Yeah. So so what I'm saying, so we're, so we're talking radical change. What I'm saying, yeah, is, exactly. Which I just what, don't what, think will happen. What I'm saying is. Boyle, Tozer, O'Connell, whoever you want to put in, they don't. I, I do think you need a defender but, that look, has but elite level recovery def- pace. But, but Aidan no, Flint doesn't have that. Aidan Flint's like a Dulux Ben Tozer, and he absolutely right. he controlled us really well. I think I, I, I think I understand what people are saying about pace, but, but I don't think we need to sign someone who's just really rapid at centre back. I think Rich, it's fundamentally we, for me just the tactics. But Rich, we also we also barely laid a, we barely touched the ball in the first half. Against Mansfield, yeah. we, we barely threatened. I don't think so, we were ever going to... But what I'd say on the Mansfield one is, I don't think we were ever going to do that. Uh, you look at the table, and we'll, I know we were going to get onto this anyway ourselves, weren't we? If you look at the 11 games we've played so far this season, seven of them have been against top-half teams, four of them have been against bottom-half teams. We have beaten all of the bottom-half teams, and we've not beaten any of the top-half teams. Okay, we've only lost two of them, but we've not beaten any top-half teams. I think fundamentally our season will, will rely on beating most of the bottom half teams home and away, beating most of the top half teams at home, and then just scraping points against them away from home. 
that is kind of what we did in that first season of the takeover, wasn't it? And I think that's what we need to be aiming for again. Mansfield away. We were never going to go there, play ticky-tack of football and win 2-3-0. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too concerned with the performance. It reminded me very much of Chesterfield away two seasons ago. Rich, I, I do not disagree. I, I would have taken a 0-0 before kickoff. They're a good team. They'll be, they'll be up there all season. I'm just saying to your point about Aidan Flint, I mean, it wasn't like he was dealing with rapid pace. If anything, we don't have pace at either end. You know, weren't people saying they wanted a pacey striker to come in? Brendan Hanlon was linked and we never ended up getting that pacey striker. Jake Bickerstaff can't seem to make the bench anymore. I hate to say I told you so to all the people that were saying I was talking rubbish, saying he should have gone out on loan. He can't even make the bench anymore. Um, And and I think you lack the recovery pace in behind. So for me, I'm just saying if it comes to January and you've got money money burning a hole in your pocket, I don't necessarily think you need another sort of target man um, finisher like Armstrong is. Um, I, I think there's money better spent elsewhere because we've got O'Connell who's returning from injury, reads the game well but isn't the quickest. Max seemingly can't get in a regular run of games. Um, Toza is what he is. Tonicliff's back is a, is a big problem going forward, you know. And and then you've got Boyle. I, I know I don't want to be too negative here, but I do suppose that you've got a good point there that. I think we'll be fine because I do think we'll spend money sizably in January if we have to, if we're within touching distance. Like you said, whether that's up front or in defence is a different question. But we're already at the limit of the squad limit. So we're going to have to make some ruthless calls, aren't we, come January? And two or three players who are currently registered might need to be axed altogether then. Yeah, it's a, yeah maybe. It's a difficult yeah, one, maybe. But I think, But I think we're getting to a the next 12, 18 months, I think you'll get into a point where you're going to start making a lot more ruthless calls. That some of the promotion heroes will be moved on, will be waved on. That's inevitable. Rich, if it all goes well and we think it will do and we get to League One, you're not telling me that half of this group will be shown the door if we end up getting to League One? Yeah. I mean, if you want not, to be competitive half, in League but... One as well, then yeah, you've got to keep it's... having that player turnover, haven't you? Which is, it's a, which biz- is it's a business. And... and look, we're at a point now, Rich, where players who were out of contract in 2024... Are, are knocking on the door and saying, like, what is going on? Am I getting a new contract? We're already at that point where players are trying to find out their futures. Are they going to still be at the club moving forward? And look, people can see for themselves who's out of contract in 2024. I don't need to go over that. I did a thread on it on Twitter um, in the summer, I think. It, it's I think I think there are changes coming, Rich, and that's not an overreaction to the start of the season. I think we've lost two games from... Um, the opening, what is it, 10? Um, yeah, I don't think that's bad at all. I think we've, I think the only reason people are, some people are a bit more jittery than others is because you've seen Notts County, who've had a much easier schedule, hit the ground running, you know. And, yeah, and uh, if, we've got, and like you said, if yeah. you look back now as well, some of those, the, the, the draws in particular we've had, drawing away at Wimbledon now looks like a good point. Drawing with Crew, given the circumstance, looks like a good point, even though we potentially could have won that game. Mansfield away, a good point. So I do think that. On the whole, Barrow was disappointing because I know they are just behind in the table, but I do feel we should have gone on and won that game. But other than that, the draws we've had have all sort of been those, yeah, that's a good point. I'm not, not disappointed with that, particularly now that like we said Wimbledon, looking back on it, you know, they're second at the time of recording. So I'm not I'm not too too worried about that whatsoever. And I suppose you know, what we also want to do is, I know we've been a bit doom and gloom there, and I think we are justifiably a bit concerned with with tactics away from home because, you know, to to look way down the line, 
you could potentially need to have playoffs or whatever, and that could involve having to go somewhere and win or get a result or you know all that all that jog, and that's well down the line. But we do want to have a bit of reality check as well, don't we? Because the reaction, particularly to the Mansfield game, seemed very doom and gloom, and I was quite happy with it. Quite sadistically, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it reminded me of Chesterfield two years ago. I thought that for a team who have been so poor defensively this season, it was a much better showing. If I'm going to name standout players, gorgeous George Evans has been been brilliant since he joined the club. Um, Arthur Conquo and goal, brilliant. Just so assured, so confident. He did a Croyton in the second half that was so casual and cool. He just commanded his box and his area so well. I thought Jacob Mendy was really encouraging playing in that you know, basically thrown under the bus. It was either him or McLean was going to play out of position on the other flank. I thought Mendy was really industrious. A bit too left-footed, understandably. You know, sometimes he should have gone to the byline, just whipped across in, guilty of cutting back inside himself, but but was good. And Ollie Palmer, you know, he's had a big question mark over him for a big chunk of his calendar year, really. But this season, he's been our best striker, I think. Ollie Palmer, he's just been so industrious as well, hard-working, and I thought... Against Mansfield, it was more the same. I thought he did a really tough job, really unsung sort of hero's role and getting loads of abuse from the fans, but he relished it and I thought he was he was brilliant as well. Rich, to follow on from your point, I just wanted to take a closer look at some of those players you mentioned there in terms of when we last met up um, after the Stockport game, we were there, weren't we, uh, catching up on, watched it at your at your house, at your lovely, lovely house. And um, after that, we, we were debating, weren't we, what was going to change, what was going to happen in terms of who was going to come in. Since then, we've seen George Evans, instead of Gorgeous George, as you call him, put into the starting lineup, and Arthur Oconquo in for Mark Howard, I kind of just wanted to give a little bit of focus onto those two and kind of the contribution we can see them having going forward. Because if I start with a Conquo, he's an absolute man mountain. I haven't seen many keepers that tall in a long time. He just seems absolutely huge. I know you were behind the goal in the stand at Mansfield. He's got a slight. This isn't. He's got a slight Miami about him, but it, but obviously at a much more technical level. He's just. At times unorthodox, and we saw against Crew when he made that rash error to run out. But he makes a lot more good decisions than bad, doesn't he? He has. Yeah, I just really like his his approach play. Really, he's not very vocal. There was, uh, you know, some fans behind the goal Mansfield saying like, "Oh, come on, be more vocal," because there's there was moments where crosses were coming to the box, no one was sort of claiming it early on, and we looked a little bit shaky. And you know, I think it's a still a young guy who maybe doesn't have. I don't know what his personality type's really like, but is he going to go into that dressing room full of very experienced defenders and start shouting at them and barking orders? Maybe he's a bit more reclusive and introverted in that approach. You know, if he keeps the ball out of the net, I don't care what what personality type he has. But yeah, I think he just he just has that aura about him. He he gets crosses so well. There's a few corners came in, he just jumped higher than anyone else. It was like a rugby line out. He just collected the ball, quelled the danger. There was one uh, he tried to take quick. Uh, sort of kicks as well, tried to get the distribution up to the other end of the pitch. One occasion that got a yellow card for a Mansfield player because they tried to intercept the ball. And yeah, I just thought he was a breath of fresh air, really. I really liked the approach of him. And I think that unless he makes a mistake... That was so stupid from Ollie. 
that was so stupid from Ollie Clark. I don't get why players do that. Just like run in front of a goal. It's the most blatant yellow you've ever seen. I don't get it. I really don't get stupid yellow cards. I mean, it doesn't matter to me, but I just do not get players. It's just a pet peeve of mine when players do that. Um, as I was cutting you off there. Yeah, I agree, Rich. I think Howard, I mean, I know he conceded five. I felt like he was a tad hard done by after the Stockport game, but I do think that he was go, always going to be given a lot less rope. And I think there's always, the plan has always been to get a Conco in there. He's not come from Arsenal to sit on the bench, has he? So I think the plan's always been to get him in and almost, dare I say, it was looking for a reason to take Howard out because he was playing well for a good few games and 5-0 defeat, he felt like the right time to, to, to relegate him to the bench. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that there was just always... Not maybe not a desire, but I think Parkey had this plan of look. Mark Howard deserves to be rewarded for his professionalism and his loyalty to the club, and and for keeping his head down really when it was so much turmoil for him. Um, you know, no matter how well he handles it and says it, says it, it must really bloody hurt to be dropped so publicly and and then being thrown back in, effectively told you're not good enough to see us over the end last season. I know there's a better keeper available. It's very special circumstances, but then to be relied upon again, like it's look who's, cr- look who's come crawling back. We needed him and, you know, he did a good job and he played really well for the, for the majority of the, the season when he was asked to. And I think if he has to come back in again, he'll, he'll be able to do it. But it did always feel like a Conquo was coming in to be that number one and they're very different types of goalkeeper. I think for now it's a Conquo shirt until he gives Parky reason to mix things up again. And yeah, I've been, been really pleased with him and, I mean, we've not mentioned Stephen Fletcher yet, have we? Well, I was going to say before we do, before we do, let's let's talk about Gorgeous George, as you you name him. Is he the best looking okay. Wrexham player you've ever seen? Who's 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 up there in the in the best looking, the most attractive Wrexham players? I always like Mark Carrington. Maybe it's because of the goal at Stoke, but yeah, what a man! What a yeah. man! Well, anyway, Gorgeous George can be up there. He is. You know what is so good about watching Evans play is that he. Just looks so composed. He never looks. He, he never just looks, looks good. Do you know what I mean? Like fundamentally, just looks good. He, he just doesn't look ruffled, though. You know, like when I at any level of the game, when I watch better players, always look like they can play the game in slow motion. While everyone else around them's frantic, and we've got players that are frantic. I don't need to go through who who that is, and that's absolutely fine. Like you can improve on that. But Evans, you can see that. All right, maybe he wasn't a championship level player for Millwall, but he's damn sure a top end of League One player. And for us, it's about, I just hope that his versatility doesn't kill his role. He's just got to be that man that sits in front. He clearly wants to play midfield. He can slot in at centre-back if need be. But we don't need Tom O'Connor 2.0, do we? We need them either as a partnership, sat in front of the back three, or is he the long-term successor to Tom O'Connor? And what's going to go on there? For me, Evans has to start ahead of O'Connor. O'Connor's not. I think O'Connor was quite good in his, his left-back role again. Uh, you know, some of his best performances, ironically, some of his best performances for Exxon, you think in Notts County, have been in that makeshift left centre-back role. And, you know, maybe even that's got to be a position. Like I said, it's quite overstocked now because we've got Boyle, we've got Tunnicliffe there, got Max there as well. So maybe you don't need to have the luxury of O'Connor there. But for me, Evans has to play. O'Connor, we know on his day, is as good as anyone else in this Wrexham squad. He's just not quite hit those heights this season for, for whatever reason. I would like to see, away from home, like that Mansfield game, for example, I'd like to see when fully fit, which I know is a rarity, a back three with O'Connor and Evans together. I know that's very defensive, but if you want to play the style of play that we've got at the moment, I don't think it changes it at all because you're then still relying. Hang on, a, a back three of what? 
Evans on the right, O'Connor on the left, and Toza in the middle. No, a back three of like Boyle, Toza, Hayden, oh, and then okay, Evans sorry. and O'Connor in front. Sorry, of him. I I absolutely completely like misheard you. I was like Evans and O'Connor in the back three, yeah, which has gone rogue. Yeah, that is rogue, and it's very defensive. But my my thought on that is, well, then O'Connor could help cover at left centre back to a degree. Evans could drop as well, right centre back if needed at times. So then you're not actually demanding as much off your wing backs defensively. So someone like McLean, you can you can sort of have him there a bit more, and you don't have to ask as much of him defensively. And I know it means that very disjointed between midfield and attack, or uh, well, defence and attack rather. But we are anyway, because like I said, we don't fundamentally control games away from home. So I don't think it would change that attack much. And then you're still relying on Elliot Lee and Mullen to produce the goods out of nowhere, really. But that is our approach anyway. So I don't actually think it would be a, be a bad idea. Can I give you a team that you will no doubt rip to shreds? But I'm just saying, if I was gonna, I, no, no, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll do it with similar players that you've picked. But um, alternative 11, right? So I'm going to play 4-2-3-1. This is, and I'll give you my reasons why, but let me just run through the team. I would, Aconquo in goal, Mendy at left back, um, Ford at right back, centre back pairing of Hayden and for now Toza, because Tonico's not fit. So Hayden and Toza, um, Evans and O'Connor as the two in front, McLean off the left, Barnett off the right, Elliot Liam behind. Paul Molly. I know that would obviously leave out Oli Palmer, but surely my thinking behind that team would be it would allow Barnett and McLean to play to their strengths, which is attacking. They're wingers, they're not wing backs. You'd have that defensive base in Evans and O'Connor. You'd have Lee in a free role, and you'd have Mullin. Obviously, you wouldn't have someone to play off, but I think that would play to the strengths of the full backs and the wingers. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't. You mind don't hate it. it. Like I said, I well, like I said, I don't hate it. But part of me almost feels like, why are we even discussing it when we know Parky's not going to ditch? Well, because we can, because we can live in our own world on this podcast. Yeah, we, we can live we in we our want. fantasy world, can't we? Yeah, no, we I agree with you. And I think that's what's so annoying is we saw it to a degree. Was it the first season when we were all saying play toes a certain defensive mid because we don't have one and see what happens, sort of thing? But I, like again, I know some managers think that. The, us as supporters sort of overemphasize the importance of formations because players like a player wouldn't go out onto the pitch saying we're playing five three two this is you're very rigid and this is what you're doing you're a cam you're a cdm sort of these new roles invented by playing fifa and stuff in recent years um but i i do think that fundamentally we just need to again develop this tactical approach or at least have something different because there's been games haven't there that when we've been chasing matches and we've changed. We've either gone sort of three strikers on, we've kind of gone four, three, three. Sometimes we've gone like a diamond midfield. And, you know, we, we do have somewhat of a flexibility during games at times when we introduce subs and we've gone to four at the back, it, it seems like anyway. I'd like to just see it from the start more often. Because like you said, some games we know exactly what we're going to be up against. And we know some games there's going to be that onus on us to attack. And some games we're going to have to do a lot of defensive work. I'd just like to see the the lineup from the start reflect that really sometimes because I do think we are just a bit too predictable. And I know that you can flip it on its head and say, well, we know what our jobs are and we're very well drilled in the in the way we play. But I do think that it has its shortcomings and we're starting to see them. Because like you said, crew, man marked Lee up the game. And without Lee, 
your actual actual tactical approach is very limited then it's a small sample size but ever since i spoke to him it's all gone downhill so am i to blame at least dipping i think what do you so reckon? i mean we need a scapegoat don't we <laughs> It's probably going to be me. It's probably going to be me. Um, but he will find it, no doubt. On the topic of subs, though, Super Stephen Fletcher. What a goal against Crew. Me and you were celebrating in the press box when everyone around us was slightly confused. I mean, what a ball by Mendy. And what a head. What a, an impact off the two of them, off the bench. Incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, I just thought that, you know, Mendy has got a lot of stick, hasn't he, in the past? I think he he just gives so much to the team. I really, I know we have to legally say because we sponsor him, but you know, he, <laughs> he offers so much what, what I like. I thought the ball, the composure at that, that time was was incredible. And Fletcher, that's what you get from having an experienced centre forward like him. You know, I mean sometimes you've got to take a step back and be like, this is a guy who's played for Marseille. He's played in the Premier League. He's played so many times for Scotland. He's demanded what, like twelve million pound transfer fees in the past. He is a proper, proper striker. Rich, maybe this is a good chance to tease um, a future podcast coming up, whether it'll be next week or the week after, we're not sure yet. But I spoke to Jake Hyde and he was talking about Stephen Fletcher and saying that that will just continue to happen now. Wrexham will continually elevate the quality of who they can bring in. And he said that, I mean, you tweeted something out on, on Rob Ryan Red about what Stephen Fletcher said about Paul Mullen. Jake Hyde says similar, and you'll hear that in the podcast about how they're surprised how good Paul Mullen is when you actually play with them. But it was Fletcher's explanation of the goal that really impressed me. They said that he basically just clocked eyes from across the pitch, from across the room with Jacob Mendy. And whether they'd worked on it in training, I I don't know if they had, but I think he said that they'd been talking about how he quite likes that back post run. And so the, the idea was that Mendy was going to shoot, I think. I think you heard people in the crowd say, shoot. Um, and, and Mendy just clocks eyes with Fletcher and just delivers the ball on a, you know, six on pence. the money, on a sixpence, on the dome for Fletcher. And what a picture by Rob Stead as well, just the diving header, brilliant picture, brilliant moment. And that's why people like Stephen Fletcher aren't going to retire, even if they can't play in the Premier League or they can't play in Liga and all, because you can get moments like that in front of 10,000. And, and we've, you, we've both had ones where we've been there and there's been last minute winners, especially down at that tech end. But you look back, and, and and I say this going into Crawley. I mean, where are Crawley this, at, at the moment, Rich? They're top seven, aren't they, in the playoffs? They've had a really good start. They were tipped to go down. Throw me under the bus down. there. Thank you very much, mate. We we uh, we both tipped them to go down. Yeah, Crawley you know, playing them fifth. at the weekend. Yeah, fifth. So so they're going to be another tough task at the weekend. We've had a really tough start. And when I look at it, some of these points, if we go and then beat, you know, we comfortably beat Tranmere, we beat Doncaster... We've still got to play Sutton. We've still got to play Forest Green, teams like that. We beat Walsall. If we suddenly start racking up wins, we're going to look back at points against Wimbledon, against Mansfield. Because as much as it's disappointing for us, two points drop for us, some might say, it's two points drop for them at home. They're going to have to come to the race course now and try and get a result. And you see Wrexham, I mean, Rich, so annoying, that Ryan Barnett card. I mean, he, gorgeous George didn't, didn't do him too many favours with the ball, but... I mean, there was no way in hell that pass, wasn't it? there yeah. was no way in I, I hell know, that know, was ever going to win the appeal. No, I know you can sort of say there's the mitigation of the surf, the surface, but yeah, it's it's never going to be overturned, and it wasn't. So, no surprise there, really. But like I said, we need to still be positive, and like I said, I think Mendy's performance on the right really was really was one. Um, whether he can keep it up long term, 
quite clearly not his favourite role, but I think he did a good job there. And yeah, I left Mansfield feeling quite happy, quite content, really. And I'd also like to give a shout out to uh, Matthew Wright from the Manchester Reds for managing to get us there on time because due to some horrendous, horrendous traffic, we didn't end up leaving Manchester until like, what was it? It it must have been like... Six or before that? It was probably about quarter to six. And Four. we still managed to get to uh, Mansfield, literally as the teams were, were about to kick off. We apparently didn't miss a second was, of the football. Apparently there was a turnstile issue, Rich. Somebody was saying, I don't know whether you got caught up in that. I think time? it was, yeah. No, I think that was all solved by the time I actually got there. Um, which, you know, was... Which was lucky, but yeah, thank you very much to Matt for getting us there on time because it looked it looked very unlikely. I never forget, Rich, Wheelstone away where I got there 10 minutes into the first half because it was such bad tube delay that I was on. I remember walking in, I was trying to find you, and it was the game where Jordan Davis hits the bar on the free kick and uh, we end up breaking the barrier because, was it Reese or Johnson scored the winner? Um, so yeah, we've all had it, but well done, Matt, for getting Rich and the crew down there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rich, I guess we'll move on slightly to the documentary and the women's team. I actually thought this week um, that it was the best episode of the season so far. You know, seeing Rosie Hughes in the prison, seeing uh, Lily talk about her dad, uh, losing her dad and dad taking his own life. And um, was, it was emotional. I mean, I'm sure people will agree with me when they watch it. It was a, a really... You know, and, and also seeing Lily Lily Jones in Pantarokin cleaning the pots, and having been a dishwasher in one of my previous jobs, I can fully appreciate how humbling that job is—just washing dishes for six or seven hours a day. Um, so I got a lot out of that episode. The women's team are getting a lot out of the season. We spoke to Megan, didn't we? After they played, who was it? Swansea, and they had that frantic draw. Um, since then, they've gone and beaten Barrytown, demolished them, and they've beaten Pontypridd, you know, comfortably beat them. So, tough a test to wait. But, Rich, are we going to be planning a European tour with these women or what? Yeah. I, I think that we could be having a European tour next season as, as Wrexham fans, which is very, very exciting, isn't it? And like you said, they, I think it was um, 
maybe the most complete episode as well of the doc because it was able to focus on one subject for a change, which I think the other episode has been guilty of trying to cram too many storylines and narratives into one. Uh, and, you know, like we said, the two best episodes have been episode two, the sort of autumn one that gave the insight Millie with, with Mullen and with Albie. And then we've also seen this one with the women's team. I think that, you know, two very powerful subjects, two really interesting subjects, two also areas in which Wrexham are really excelling in terms of their inclusion on both fronts there. And I think that, like I said, the documentary comes across much better for it because you can just focus and you can delve deeper into those subject matters, which you don't want to just gloss over. I was a bit worried when the documentary initially said it had the women's team in it because I didn't want it just to be a token gesture and sort of throw away by the way, we've got a women's team, they're good, blah, blah, blah. Quite a lazy sort of box-ticking exercise, which it could have been, but it wasn't. And I'm really glad they dedicated the episode to it. I'd almost like there to be another docuseries just on the women's team, so we could have both. Because that does it, that that story and the stories there, for me, are even more compelling. Because like you said, I know the Wrexham players, uh, particularly in sort of season one, are playing for their mortgages and they aren't these flash Premier League footballers. And it's changing a bit on the pro- on the men's side because you have got James McLean, you've got Stephen Fletcher playing there, who you know have been at the very highest level. On the women's side, like you said, there is still a real sort of down to earth humbleness to a, a completely different extent. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's still so much rawer than what's happening on the men's side. And I think just over the course of a year, I would happily watch that in its own right as a docu series. But I'm glad mm. we've got this insight. We had Neil and Mia on, didn't we? And uh, I know the audio wasn't wasn't impeccable, but if you have listened to that one, they were both really great. And Rich, it was a there was a lovely scene that was the bit that got me when they were going through a scrapbook at the dinner table, and they're looking at old newspaper cuttings. And you know, just for the line of work we're in, I always find that interesting. And you saw them talking about end of an era, and uh, you know end of an era and all that sort of thing and just to see Neil so frustrated not even frustrated just like upset still that he'd been captain when the team went down and Mia talking about how when they would go out as a family they would you know be heckled basically and they would have things said to them because he's the captain and he's gonna have to face the brunt of that and you could see how heavy it's weighed on Neil over the years. Like he says himself that it's it changed his life. Relegation out of the Football League changed his life um, and not in a positive way. And the fact that he was their champion in the women's scene, but also reflecting and Mia was making him feel bad um, that she was like, oh, I didn't realise it had been 87 years and he screwed up kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Rosie Hughes in the prison, Lily in, in the restaurant, in the, in the kitchen. And um, and also just like little cutaway scenes, you know, like Rob working out how crap the pitch was and then going into a really small changing room to congratulate the players after the Eatland did know uh, when they were playing at Ross and Tommy Kaus in the stand doing a selfie video with Humphrey Carr, you know. That that was a good blend for me of what I was looking for out of the dock, a kind of, a kind of 40 minute episode. The goals, the football action, but also in the changing room and, um, you know, video message from Ryan Reynolds to the women's team, which we obviously we'd never seen before. Little bits like that. And uh, and I also will say it was really good to see Gemma and Gaz Owen on there. I know Gaz has been going through a really tough time. So I'm sure you'll back me up, Rich, that we, you know, send our best to, to Gemma and to Gaz. 
Absolutely. And you touched upon it there, didn't you? That I, I also I don't want to create the divide myself, but you know, for Wrexham fans who've maybe already been to all the matches we saw and have supported the club longer than some of the new fans, it is that sort of priceless insight that is what we watch a documentary for, isn't it? It's those little hidden bits closer to home behind the scenes that we, we haven't always been able to see and haven't always been accessible to us. And yeah, I echo your thoughts. Obviously, our, our thoughts are with uh, Gemma and Gaz at this moment in time. And yeah, I, I think, like you said, it was a, a really nice episode of the documentary. Back to back to its best, really. That is what Welcome to Wrexham is. That's why it's won these awards. That's why so many people across the world love it is because of, of episodes like that for me. And like I said, I think there's an appetite to not have a spin-off because it's not like a sidekick to it, but have its own respective sort of docu-series. I'd be really interested with that and see what see what everyone else thought of it. They they are going to have another episode, aren't they? They're going to play Britain Ferry. They've teed it up so that you know you haven't had that big playoff yet um, and we haven't seen much of the home game against Connors Key. Can they go 12 in a row? So there's lots of good stuff coming for the women. I'm sure they're going to have another big, long episode. Mainly, the, the good thing for me is we're rattling through this documentary. We're a step closer, Rich, to... Sheffield United to the one that I and many others are itching to see. And we also I mean, saw we also saw in the trailer though, didn't we? Uh, Mullins fist bumped post Coventry, and you know, just being able to watch the whole run as it sort of unraveled. Coventry away, what a day! I watched the highlights for that the other day on YouTube randomly as part of my um, thrilling bachelor lifestyle, as you keep calling it. The highlights of that were unbelievable. Like the first goal, Rich, the ball in from Luke Young, headed by Sam Dolby, and you just see the away end explode at 1-0. Um, yeah, that's a, a core, core memory. Well, I watched, I, I watched that, those highlights very recently as well. And again, ultimately, to almost undo all the, the everything we spoke about before, in Parker we trust. Because do you remember when the team news <laughs> dropped at Coventry away? We just, we just the, remember, we Yeah. Do you remember when the team news dropped at Coventry away? It was McFadzi, Reese Hall-Johnson, Dolby. And then we produced that masterclass. You know, it was it was such a good performance that, and you know, yeah, we rode our luck at a bit at times, but I'd love. And I know we've got the FA Cup draw coming up in a few weeks, aren't we? For for ourselves to be involved, I'm really looking forward to that. I would like a cup run this season again. I'm very selfish in that regard. Rich, maybe we'll end on this. We haven't got a Crawley voice this week. It's been very very hectic for us. Um, but what has been the one of the big stories of the week? Paul Mullen. You could impersonate. You could impersonate yeah, Crawley Town support, couldn't you? I I. I don't want to do that. Maybe do, do, do I have to talk about crypto? Wag me. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that there. Um, but what I do want to talk about is Paul Mullin being put on the standby list for Wales. It's something we've both sort of said we want to see. Rex, am I going to be playing up at the race course? Do you think he'll end up getting in, brought into the group? Do you think he should have been in the main group? Do you think with how Mullins looked the season, he shouldn't have been near the group at all? Where are you on the whole thing? Because I'm delighted for him, first and foremost. I'm delighted for Paul Mullin. A fully fit Paul Mullin should be in the Wales squad. Paul Mullin right now, based on this season, shouldn't be in the Wales squad. It's, it, if, we want, if we want it to be sort of meritocracy and players deserving to be in the squad, Paul Mullins had one good game this season, really for me. That was at the weekend against Crew. All the other games, he's looked a bit off it. Mansfield, he struggled to get in the game. There was a brilliant touch towards the end where he nearly burst away and got a goal out of nothing. That's what Paul Mullen can offer you. But for me right now, 
I don't think he deserves to be in that squad based on form and the injury curtailed him. I think without the injury, he would have been deserving to be in it. I think putting him on that standby list is a good way <laughs> to maybe boost ticket sales for, for the Wales point of view. It's good for Rob Page to curry favour with some fans and say, look, I am keeping a, an eye on Paul Mullin. I, I said he has to prove himself in the League 2. He's got two goals against Crew. It's a good way for Rob Page to sort of handle the matter because he's sort of kind of ticked that box of saying, look, Mullen's on the radar, but right now he's not He's not there. It's the incentive for him to go on and push ahead. And, you know, I really hope that it works out and we get to see Paul Mullen in a Welsh shirt. Imagine if he ended up playing that Croatia match. That would be absolutely unbelievable, wouldn't it? Um, shall I read the quote but, from Rob Page then? Shall I, read, shall I yeah. read what's been said? So Rob Page said, Paul is on standby for the squad. I watched Paul Mullen against Sheffield United last year. And Jack Lester, my coach who was at Sheffield United at the time, sang his praises. We've had a few conversations about Paul, so the next step is he's now on standby and he's one step away. We monitor the Welsh players and Paul is certainly one we've taken note of and he deserves that. This is the next step of his development. Are you looking at it cynically then? I mean, which side of the fence do you fall on? Cynically, as a ticket sales, or or do you think he genuinely is one step away from, from leading the line for Wales? I think he is one step away from being called up to the Wales squad because particularly this international break, obviously with Brian Johnson being out, Wales are down a down a forward and you look at the other players who are in there. I mean, I know Nathan Broadhead scored that famous, famous goal and he's had you know, he's had a very good couple of years in terms of the football league anyway. I do just think that Mullen's exploits being non league worked against him in, in that regard. But then if he hadn't been at Wrexham the discussions of him ever playing for Wales would never have happened anyway. So it's a two-edged, two-edged sword, really, in, in that regard. And I think that what is maybe annoying is because one of the matches is a friendly match, the squad is very big and there'll be lots of players who are uncapped, likes of Bex in there, Savage is in there. You know, there are, there are players who Mullen is as good as and deserves to be amongst. So you could make an argument for being him being in the squad. But right now selfishly, I want him to be available for, for, for Wrexham rather than to be a bit part for Wales. Rich, we should point out for any international listeners that haven't realised this, is that three call-ups would get your game postponed. Three international call-ups would see Wrexham's match postponed. So James McLean, who's a Republic of Ireland international, Jacob Mendy could get called up. And if Paul Mullen gets called up, I mean, I don't know, I'm not saying they're all getting called up right now, but I mean, we're at a point where we're on the cusp. On maybe. the cusp. We're on the cusp. Yeah, I think as well, if you start going up the divisions, then there is again more more remit for that to actually happen. And, you know, I mean, if Paul Mullin got called up to the Wales squad, if there was an injury crisis, he would get called up for the Croatia game potentially, which is Sunday the 15th of October, and we play Salford at home on the 14th. So. Mullen obviously couldn't play in both those games. I mean, I know Mark Hughes played two games in a day, one for Bayern Munich, one for Wales back, you know, in the glory days. But for for Wrexham's point of view, would they then look to get Salford postponed if Mullen, you know, it would be very, very last minute if Mullen was then included in the, the senior Wales squad. You'd need three, you'd need three, you'd need three call-ups. It'd be two at time. So it would work against, it would really work against Wrexham if, if he did get that call-up. Yeah, so I'm guessing it's... James McLean would be missing the Salford game then. It's a good question. Now you're putting me on the spot. You're returning the favour. Um, it's good that we've done our prep work for all this, and we haven't just like kind of it's done it. It's a flawless podcast, this isn't it? It's absolutely flawless. Um, but 
Yeah, the, the Mendy one's the interesting one because if he gets called up for AFCON in January, that could be him gone for weeks on end. Now, we don't know. You know, Remember, he was in the recent squad, wasn't he? Provisional and didn't make the final mm. squad I mean, Ireland, for Gambling. Ireland play Greece the Friday night before we play Salford. Right. 7.45. And then on the Monday, they're away at Gibraltar. So if James McLean's in the Ireland squad again, then that's definitely him out of Salford. I mean, I've watched Salford this season. They are terrible. So what I think can go we, wrong, eh? Yeah, exactly. They're fa- they'll be famous last words, I'm sure. But they yeah. are. But you'd expect. I mean, poor. McLean will be away for because obviously we played Crew in the Papa John's next Tuesday as well. We're not going to give that one the hard sell, are we ourselves? Two quick questions, then, Rich. Um, and we'll end it. Maybe we'll end it on this. Um, team you play for Crawley and team you play on Tuesday. Because remember, Tuesday you should be able to use as far as I'm aware, you should be able to use. Bryce, Billy Waters, and McFadden, and also wait, are they even are they even on the EA FC game? Are they even? No, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say because I I did buy EA FC uh, twenty four to give it its proper title. There will be some loose FIFA content. I know it's called it's called EA FC, but I'm gonna call it FIFA twenty four content coming up on our YouTube in a few weeks. I was thinking, I know I'm an old man these days, but could I do sort of a, a realistic career mode where I abide to squad rules? I try to keep things as realistic as I can in, in terms of the Rex and Wet realm. I don't end up buying Jude Bellingham and Mbappe within four seasons, and we don't spend a ridiculous amount of money and get 17 year old wonder kids from Finland with 90 potential. So there might be a realistic Wrexham career mode for you to keep your eyes out on, on Rob Brown Red in the weeks ahead. But yeah, um, because Billy Waters, McFadden, and Bryce Hosanna weren't part of Wrexham's EFL squad, None of them were included on the latest EA FC video game either. They've all been all been wiped from it, which, you know, real shame for them. Real shame. Because I, I, yeah, and of course they are eligible for cup competition, so they still will be able to play for Wrexham this season. But yeah, you can't play with them on EA FC 24. Well, I'm going to say that the team he's going to play on Saturday will be almost near identical to the one that played against Mansfield. Um, but as yeah, for the so we're crew... calling this on the Wednesday, so you got you yeah. not you've not got Ryan Barnett for the weekend. There'll be some touch and go injury news. Interesting that Tunnicliffe was on the bench, wasn't he, against Mansfield? And he, Owen O'Connell was the guy who was warming up quite a lot during the game. But do you expect either of them to actually come into the team? I think he'll. He, if Ford is fit, which I don't know if he will be, then I, I would put him in. But I think otherwise he'll go unchanged as a back five. I think he'll go Evans. I think he might swap James Jones out. Maybe yeah, Jones, Maybe... Jones and Lee both really struggled against Mansfield. He, he, won't, he won't take Elliot Lee out. Elliot Lee will play. George yeah. I do think play. Jordan Davis is deserving of another go soon enough. Maybe that will have to end up being that crew game for Jordan. But yeah, I think for you, same as you, I think that the two changes really would be Young in for Jones probably and then Ford for Mendy if he can. Well, it's, it's, it's Young... Obviously, I, I would say that, but it's or it's Andy Cannon. Is he knocking on the door now? He's been out of it for. I mean, when did he last play from the start? You know, a long time yeah. ago now at the beginning. So, um, and I would imagine he goes Palmer and Mullen up top. That would be no questions asked for Tuesday. I'd be my key focuses for Tuesday would be play Howard. Um, I would play Jordan Davis. I'd give. I try and give Jordan Davis ninety minutes. I would try and play. For at least a little bit, Rich, I would try and play Tunnicliffe and O'Connell as a bit as a fitness builder. I would try and play. I, they're not going to do it, but I would try and play some of the younger lads, like a Dan Davis or a 
a bigger staff I'd play for sure. I just think we may as well use that for, for valuable minutes because we're not going to get many chances. We don't know what that FA Cup draw is going to be. Carabao Cup, we're out. That's, that's over with. So you've only got so many opportunities to try and keep this squad happy and you're not going to rotate enough in the league. Crew, I want to see changes, uh, multiple changes. And, and my whole focus on that would be trying to get Jordan up to a 90-minute full speed. Yeah, it should be wholesale changes for that one. I agree with you that one. And yeah, I suppose we'll we'll wait and see what, what the week has to hold, doesn't it? And as always, we will be back next week to look back on what happened against Crawley and against Crew. And we will look ahead to Wrexham's game against Salford City as well. As always, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast, brought to you in association with Red Turn People Development and the music from Wrexham-based band Hypnotic. You can get us on all the socials, Rob Brown Red, on pretty much every platform. And let us know your thoughts on Wrexham's tactical approach, the changes you'd like to see, and what position you'd like to see us strengthen, if any, in January as well. Also, a shout out to the Where Are You When We Were Bleep feature. We did get a few of those in. We are working on a way to sort of compile those we'll probably put a tweet out in a few a few weeks as well for you to to reply to and we'll read some of those out on next week's podcast so thank you very much take care and we'll see you again next time it's the 90th minute all your mates are around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.